When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into a special Monday night, still in free agency edition of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. A lot to get to, you know, one of the pieces of free agency that's kind of happened here over the course of the last week plus is you know, the Bills haven't done a lot. So it's, you know, there's a couple of big moves here and there. The Jordan Poyer move, obviously, a couple of free agent additions. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie was released uh, on Friday, but not those like not even a wave of moves like we've seen in recent years. It's been kind of like a slow, plotting, methodical approach, and, and it's probably kind of what we should have expected. I tweeted about it the other day about like you know maybe the second and third waves were going to be where the Bills really made some noise. They made some more noise today. We're going to get into that. We are going to welcome in Brent Axe uh, from Syracuse.com. Uh, he's obviously been on the on the Cuse beat for for many years, but he's got a long storied history around the Buffalo Bills as well. We'll get his takes on what's going on with the Bills this offseason. What's up, Ryan? Hey, not too much. Happy to be here on a Monday night to talk about a Bills move and to talk about everything to date. Yeah, so I think we got to start with this absolute circus show that happened today. Um, Sherfield was announced. And then like literally minutes later, we had his introductory press conference. And so as, as you often do with the press conference, you get to cover it from a live perspective. And I was tweeting out during it and then um, kind of went back through the, the, the transcript and, you know, kind of getting out what I thought, you know, Bill's fans should want to read about. Right. And one tweet in particular just absolutely <laughs> exploded. And we're going to talk a little bit about it because it's, it's like kind of like the pros and cons of Twitter, I guess. Right. Like it's, you know, something like this could get, you know, completely blown out of proportion. But I basically tweeted, listen to the details of this tweet. Trent Sherfield on his decision to come to Buffalo and play for the Bills with multiple teams in the mix for his services. If you want to be an elite receiver, come and play with an elite quarterback, obviously in reference to Josh Allen. Did you see Tua mentioned in there? Did you see the nope. Miami Dolphins mentioned in there? Nope, you didn't. Nothing. And here's what I, here's why I tweeted it, Ryan. It was... Uh, it, in a string of tweets after we got uh, to talk to him. And it was the second in the string of tweets. My first one was new bills receiver. Trent Sherfield said he thought he'd return to Miami after a breakout season, but things changed throughout the free agency process. He mentioned that the dolphins are looking for other players to step up for them. Interesting. So to my followers, Buffalo bills fans, I was tweeting out some things from Trent Sherfield. We got a chance to hear from him today. And that, tweet got picked up and blown up and i guess it's called Tuanon, as i learned today just absolutely <laughs> going apocalyptic 
on Twitter and breaking it down so much so that Tyreek Hill quote tweeted that tweet and say he did not say this. So I had to actually share the, the video of him saying it, but just just a wild scene. You know, that's social media in a nutshell, especially Twitter. They they get a hold of a quote and people take offense to things without even really reading the fine print or the details. Like you said, you didn't mention Tua, you didn't mention the Dolphins. You just mentioned the fact that here's a wide receiver coming off of a breakout year. And hey, you want to get even better? Join a team that has an elite quarterback like Josh Allen and the potential will certainly be there, which, you know, I, I agree with completely. So the, the fact that Dolphins fans were going wild about it is one thing. The fact that uh, Tyree Kill quote tweeted you is a whole nother thing. I, I couldn't help but chuckle when I saw that and saw you then quote to, uh, tweet back with the actual video. So a nice little back and forth there. Well, the one thing I was wondering after I did that, though, is like, what if he meant like, oh, no, he didn't just say that. Right. Like not like like playing conspiracy theorists and saying that I, I, I made up the quote, but maybe he was just like, Oh no, he didn't say that. Right. But like, I think Marcel uh, put out a quote tweet that, you know, made sense. Like, of course he's going to, he's going to talk up his new teammate, his new quarterback. He's joining the bills offense. He just got out of a meeting with Ken Dorsey and Adam Henry and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean talking about all the different ways that they're hoping to utilize him in this offense. And we're going to get to the move in a minute. I just thought it was interesting. And it, it the rivalry as is at this unbelievable peak, right? Between the Dolphins and the Bills. And we talked about it on the show um, in recent years. It's back, right? Like the Patriots rivalry, I feel like it's just such a afterthought at this point. I mean, Bills Dolphins is really where it's at. And then you're gonna have that third uh third wheel, if you will, joining the party if, when Aaron Rodgers eventually joins the Jets. Yeah, the AFC East is something else right now. And you said it. it I think last year the Dolphins felt after that week three win. This was going to be their division. That was going to be their year. And obviously, uh, they fell off significantly at the end of the year. They make some big moves this offseason, obviously. Now, you know, they're sitting there and thinking they're in the driver's seat again without any games being played. But that's what happens when you start building up your roster and adding talented players like Tyreek Hill last year, uh, seeing Jalen Waddle take the next step, adding in Jalen Ramsey via trade this offseason, and some other good moves mixed in there as well. I, I get the bravado. I get the faith. Uh, but that just shows how this rivalry is back. Buffalo has won the division in the last three years. Now you have the Jets, legitimate defense, some nice young talent on offense. You throw in Aaron Rodgers. They think they can win the division too. So uh, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun offseason. And then obviously the 2023 season itself is going to be a good one too with a pretty competitive AFC East. So the Bills go out and add another receiver, Deontay Hardy, into the mix last week. Isaiah McKenzie released mostly for cap reasons. Uh, they add two million in, in caps uh, in cap space in 2023. But also, Brandon B mentioned it last week. You got to look at your roster and ask yourselves as you're bringing in new players: Are there duplicates? Like, are you are you going to have two players that maybe do the same things? And I think that they looked at Hardy, five six, one seventy the speed, the versatility of his game and said, okay, maybe we can get away with not having McKenzie on the roster. And after guaranteeing 5 million to Hardy, you have to make sometimes those tough decisions. So with Sherfield, his addition into the mix, it's interesting. I, I feel like he probably slots in at wide receiver four or five, depending on which way you want to look at it. I'm still pretty high on, on Khalil Shakir and, and maybe they view him in that traditional slot role where he can kind of, replace Cole Beasley long-term McKenzie, what they wanted him to be. Sherfield is a little bit more of that, you know, bigger bodied receiver, 
Um, he has some breakaway speed, Ryan. Yeah. And his highlight from last season was that 65 yards of run after the catch in that game against the 49ers. It was superb. And so I think that he probably fits into a, a multitude of roles for them. And then obviously the special teams part of it played Gunner for, for many years. I wonder if that yeah. maybe puts into uh, question the future of Taiwan Jones with the Bills. He's getting older. I mean, I think he's 35 years old. It would just make sense to go in a different direction. Sherfield mentioned that he talked with Matthew Smiley today about potential role. So a lot of different buckets I feel like he's going to end up uh, filling for the Bills. Yeah, it, it goes to the duplicate conversation, Matt. I look at him as what they've had the last few years in Jake Kumaro, but an upgrade to Jake Kumaro. He's someone that can actually uh, run the routes a little bit better, be more of a difference maker on offense, has that legitimate deep speed. Kumaro didn't have any of that. But what he replaces from Kumaro is that last active wide receiver that can also be a standout player for you on special teams. You mentioned it. he's been a gunner uh, in his career at the 49ers with the Dolphins. He's played 40% of his team's special team snaps since or higher since 2019. So he is a regular special teams contributor. We know how much the Bills value that. He can kind of take that gunner role of Taiwan Jones on special teams. He's an upgrade from what Jake Kumaro did on special teams, as well as what he was as a wide receiver. So, you know, I get that a lot of fans are like, oh, why are they making these big splash moves? Well, one, the, the cap space. Uh, but two, they're looking at, like you said, replacing guys that they've had uh, and trying to upgrade them, you know, slight increments in, in, of improvement. And I think that's what you get with Deontay Hardy over Isaiah McKenzie. I think that's what you get with uh, Sherfield over what they had in Kumaro. And I think it's a much bigger uh, sign of improvement than what they had with Kumaro personally. So I, I like these moves. They're being smart with their cap. Uh, you and I were talking before the show started. There's still a lot of really talented players out there on the market. So uh, the Bills can kind of wait this out when it comes to other positions, maybe of need or just adding some talented players elsewhere. But they have a plan in place. I wouldn't be shocked, man, if they had a plan A, B, and C. Plan A had something to do with a return of Edmonds. Plan B had a, a return of Poyer. And plan C was they lost both of them in terms of moves they could make. So once Edmonds went away, that plan went out the window. Now they're kind of on that plan B with getting Poyer back. And how can we how can we build this roster now in other ways, uh, getting back our star safety? One thing that's like really stood out to me about uh, Sherfield in the aftermath of the announcement earlier today was the reaction from some Dolphins players. You know, Tyreek Hill, we mentioned him already. He was actually, uh, I quote, or I, I screen grabbed uh, a tweet that he had from Friday last week where he basically said, are you with us? Tweeting at um, Shearfield. And obviously that answer or that question was answered. And he had a, just one, three letters, if you will, response to this. OMG with kind of like a sad face. And then Javon Holland coming out with a SpongeBob SquarePants, like a short little video uh, you know, bummed that Shearfield's not in the mix anymore. So this is a guy that, you know, you look inside that Dolphins locker room, was respected, was loved. Uh, guys wanted him back in the mix. And as things have transpired in Miami and, you know, Braxton Berrios brought into the mix and, you know, who knows which way direction that they go in the draft, you know, they just decided to go in a different direction. And I think that that's for the Bills game because this is a guy that I just think you mentioned – Jake Kumro and that natural fit. And I love what you said about it being an upgrade because to me, I think he has like a higher ceiling in terms of the things that he can do in yeah. the offense. Like he can stretch the field. He can put a lot of pressure on the defense more so just than that, you know, that toughness, that reliability that I thought that Jake Kumro brought over the course of his, you know, fun tenure with the bills. I mean, touchdown <laughs> Jesus, the Aaron Rodgers connection. It was always yeah. fun 
to talk about. I just think Shearfield to me is a guy that's just kind of scratching the surface. And it brings a guy who spent the last two years in the 49ers offense and then the Dolphins offense, which is basically like a version of that. And I think that player, listen, he's not Debo Samuel. Don't, Don't get me, you know, twisted here. Obviously that complete difference in the ability level of the two players. But I mean, in a lot of ways, the way they used him last year, not so much as a running back, but just in different roles at receiver, you know, that could be something that Ken Dorsey finds a way to implement into the Bills offense. Yeah, you you can use him on the inside. You can use him on the outside. You can use him in a lot of different ways. And oh, by the way, pro football focuses highest graded uh, blocking wide receiver last year. So w- when you want to maybe get this run game going this year, get James Cook going, uh, Sherfield's going to be an asset to this team. And if you want to be on the field, uh, just as a receiver in general, but getting those snaps, you have to have the ability to block and protect. And that's something he has shown in his career that he can do. So th- there's a lot of reasons to really like this signing. Again, he, he, he's not, we're not sitting here and prognosticating that he's going to be this wide receiver too or anything extreme like that. But I think it's an upgrade over what they've had on this roster. They usually carry six, seven receivers. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those bottom receivers for this team, but someone's going to see meaningful reps because like you said, the speed, the 4-4 speed, the ability to get behind the defenses, the blocking ability, the special teams ability. There's always going to be a game day jersey for someone that brings that much versatility. Uh, Roy Collins on YouTube says, I don't think Kumaro was on the Rodgers list that he provided to the <laughs> Jets. I will guarantee you this. He might not have been on the original list, but if he is available once Roger comes aboard I, and he's still out as a free agent, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up. Uh, in New York. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to get to a couple more things before we welcome Brent onto the show in a little little while. Let's go to Isaiah McKenzie, a guy that we've spent hours on this podcast talking about over the last couple of years, a guy that had a collection of, you know, hype-worthy performances. Like, you know, the kind of stuff that gets everybody excited about what it could look like in this offense for him. It just never really materialized in a consistent way. Um, the Bills decide to move on from him. And this is something that I always thought there was a chance they could bring him back and, and have him work in and compete for a roster spot. They love competition and weren't going to move in a different direction until they really felt like they had a guy to replace what he brought. I mean, that speed factor, um, obviously being at the forefront. But without McKenzie, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that they're that McKenzie out and Shearfield in a guy that I just mentioned is this locker room favorite in Miami because McKenzie was that in Buffalo. And I think you need to go out and find guys that work from a, you know, roster makeup perspective, a guy that brings a position group together. There's so many that, I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball and like, I always thought, you know, a guy like Jordan Phillips, right. Um, you know, over the years has done a really good job in that department. I thought, you know, Tredavious White, I know he's a great player, but at his peak, he's been that really good, like bringing everybody together presence in the locker room. They've had the Lorenzo Alexanders, the Kyle Williams, even a guy like Mitch Morris, a guy that stuck around and he's been a cut candidate several times. Like those guys that make up the, you know, positive parts of the room in terms of culture, they're important. And they're going to miss that part of it with McKenzie. He brought a lot of people together. Yeah, and he kept things light in, in difficult times. If things if things weren't going well on the field, he kept things light in that locker room. And he was beloved, and he embraced it, being the face of the franchise. He embraced being uh, the butt of the jokes when they would go on Instagram Live and they would look at the little mannequin uh, dressed up in the uniform and say it was Isaiah McKenzie because it was such a short little mannequin. And he, you know, he he took everything in stride. Uh, he was a favorite in that locker room. And, and listen. 
kudos to him for what he became over his tenure in Buffalo. He was added after a failed stint in Denver. He was kind of brought on maybe as like an experimental kick returner, punt returner. That's what he was doing in Denver. He had some fumbling issues there. He flashed a little bit. Brian Dable said, you know, I think we can kind of turn him into this gadget player. And as a gadget player, he was fun. You know, the end arounds, the little uh, plays that, that were dialed up for him. He did a nice job with that. Last year, though, it was just too hard for him to, to fill in that slot receiver role that had been such an important aspect of this offense in the previous years with Cole Beasley. And I think, you know, you looked at what he did against the Patriots uh, two years ago and you thought, well, maybe, maybe he can be that guy. He doesn't have the breakaway downfield speed, but across the field, he, he can separate. And man versus zone, this versus that, he had some crucial drops, he had some issues. It just never materialized, Matt. And it, it, he couldn't fill those shoes of a Cole Beasley. And Buffalo kind of said, okay, we've, we've kind of reached that point. We know what he is. We know what he can do. We know how good he is in this locker room. But it's time for us to move on. There's a roster bonus due. They're tight against the cap. Uh, the Deontay Hardy signing, like you mentioned, you know, not they don't offset one another, but it was pretty close now where uh, I think there's just like a little over a million dollars for the cap hit between what they uh, got rid of with McKenzie and what they signed Hardy for. Uh, so it kind of offset in that respect too. And they feel like they've got an upgrade there as long as Hardy can stay healthy. A lot there on uh, the McKenzie front, obviously Shearfield as well. Some guys, you know, in addition to McKenzie that are on their way out came down today. Uh, Jaquan Johnson, longtime special team standout for the bills, 2019 six round pick. He goes and signs a one year uh, reportedly a one year deal with the Raiders. Devin Singletary, he's been kind of hanging around, hanging around, reportedly one year, $3.85 million with the Houston Texans. So two guys that, you know, the Bills, you go back and look at that 2019 draft class, and I feel like that you could poke a lot of holes in the thing, right? I mean, Ed Oliver, the uncertainty around him, you know, Cody Ford uh, trading up for him in the second round. Dawson Knox was that that one piece of that draft that you – uh, you found, you extended, he's on a second contract, but Jaquan Johnson now, Devin Singletary moving on. And who knows, they're both on one-year deals. I, I wouldn't close the door on a reunion down the road if it doesn't work out in those spots. But I think we were always trending in this direction. And I think for Singletary at that one year, almost $4 million, to me, that's a little bit too much. Because I think you have, and we're going to talk more about this on Wednesday, you have an opportunity to get very specific with what you want in that third running back. You have Naheem Hines, you have James Cook, and all signs were pointing even last season when they kind of turned the job over to James Cook in a lot of ways in a lot of games that he was going to be the de facto number one guy. I still think Hines can play a really, really valuable backup role if you need it, or he's been a third back in a in a scheme before. I mean, he played in Beck's same backfield with Jonathan Taylor all those years. Yeah. You've got guys on the open market. To me, I think it's a it's a trio of guys that have Bills fans' interest. Um, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, and Damian Harris. All three of those guys are are a little bit different. I think you could probably make the argument, depending on where you are between Zeke and Leonard Fournette, about which one maybe is more washed, quote-unquote. I'm seeing that <laughs> a lot. But I do think in the right circumstance, there might be some juice left at the veteran minimum for both of those guys. Maybe Zeke gets a little bit more because of the history and the name value. But I really am coming around on the idea. I'm going to write about it for Wednesday on Damian Harris. There just doesn't seem to be a huge market for him. He guy, guy gets banged up quite a bit. You add him to the mix with Hines, 
and cook and take and just scale back that workload for a guy that's still only 26 years old and how good he's been in short bursts and sample size. I really like that. move. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind that move at all. And like you said, it's in the short burst because I think we saw what James cook could do. And maybe James cook isn't a guy that you give 20, 25 carries to a game uh, because of his size, but he showed that explosiveness last year, picking up big chunks of yardage uh, would have would have been the leading rusher in terms of yards per carry average. Had he uh, had a few more carries and he had to have a hundred minimum and he didn't quite reach that threshold. So I, I think the bills are okay with making James cook, their lead guy, the guy that gets the bulk of the carries, but uh, a guy like Harris, who you said has been dinged up over the, the past few years with the, Patriots give him a smaller role give him that power role in between the tackles on short yardage maybe goal line uh scale it back for him maybe seven eight carries a game at most uh, I think you could find a winning combination there uh as, as for Singletary listen I like Singletary a lot he, he got the tough yards especially later on in his career with Buffalo three point whatever it was that he ended up getting in the Texans like he said close to four or up to four um, it, it's interesting because I thought that they had a really talented rookie there in Damian Pierce, and I think he is a very talented rookie. So it's a good one to punch, but it, it's a little more than I'd be looking for if I were the Texans based on what they already have at that position. But this is also a franchise that I think is trying to load up and, and get as much talent as they can, uh, trying to build it up the right way there. So maybe they think that that's just a good combination. Jaquan Johnson, he just it just never worked out in the defensive system for him. Uh, he had flashes here and there, but when he was on the field, it, it didn't work out. Really solid special teams player, uh, but I don't think Buffalo is necessarily going to miss what uh, he brought from a depth perspective to that defense. There are guys out there still. There are guys you can draft, guys maybe you can even sign as undrafted free agents that can come in and, and fill a similar type of role to what Jaquan Johnson did. But, you know, you mentioned there's just so many guys still out there on the market, so many guys that could still be had. There's people on the trade market. And obviously, if you trade for one of these backs, you're going to have to inherit their contract. But, you know, there's guys like Eckler. There's guys like Henry who could supposedly be on the move. So there's no shortage of backs. And just the fact that those other guys, the Henrys and the Ecklers, are hovering out, there's trade possibilities. I think it's hurting the market for these free agents, knowing full well where, well, if we can't get you at this right, maybe we look at an upgrade at the position at something like that. So, it's interesting. Singletary, though, good for him. I hope it works out for him in Houston this year. Hope it leads to a longer deal either with them or another team down the road. Because just like we were talking about with Isaiah McKenzie, uh, this was someone that was loved in the locker room, loved by the front office, loved by the coaching staff, just wanted to do what was best for the team. Never went in, said, I want the ball. I want this. I want that. He was just happy to be part of a winning product. Yeah, and I think the Singletary – landing spot in Houston and probably why his his team prioritized that that spot is because it's a team that's going to have a young quarterback they're probably going to want to lean on their running game they're Damian Pierce is coming off of an ankle injury I think if you know, correct me if I'm wrong he had a little bit of an injury dinged for that uh, in college and so coming into the league I can't remember if that was something that had popped up I, I can't remember I think I read something about it at one point I don't know all the running backs kind of <laughs> mesh together at this point but sure. either way coming off of an, an injury where availability was an issue for him down the stretch you bring in a guy in Devin Singletary who's been as available as they come I mean the guy has not been banged up too often over the course of his career you bring him into that backfield and I'm sure Jerry Hughes probably was in uh, the front office at some point closing the deal uh, talking about facing Devin Singletary in practice for a couple of seasons in Buffalo he's a guy that I'm always going to look back on as a guy that was always underappreciated for what I think the consistency yeah. that he brought to the offense. 
but a spot that always felt like it could be upgraded. And mm-hmm. I, I think the questions in the chat right now, I've seen it a couple of times about James Cook as, as RB1. They're fair questions to have. I mean, I, we saw it at, in, in a limited sample size down the stretch of the season, but they drafted him in the second round. He's a guy that I think passed a lot of tests and gives them enough confidence that to this point in free agency, they have not made a big move or, you know, a trade for a Derrick Henry or, or so on and so forth. There's, there seems to be a lot of confidence for what he brings. Then obviously with Hines there as well. Yeah. And listen, Brandon Bean didn't seem like he was in a rush to add another back too. He said adding a bigger back, a guy over 200 pounds is up, is going to be something they want to do down the road. That could be Roshan Johnson, a uh, running back out of Texas on day three of the draft or uh, an undrafted free agent or someone that's still sitting on the free agent market after the draft. There's going to be options in terms of what he's looking for. I, I don't think they're necessarily looking to add a premier back. Uh, I, I think, if anything, they want to get more weapons for Allen in the passing game, whether that be a tight end two, whether that be another wide receiver. Uh, I think all both of those, and even offensive line, are prioritized above adding a big-name running back that's going to cost a lot of cap space. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I feel kind of weird not having some intro music for you. I'm so used to coming on uh, your show and you kind of leading me in with some kind of little jingle gets, gets the people going. Brent Axe in the house. What's up, buddy? What's up, fellas? Great hey, to have Brent. you here. I, I apologize for uh, my lack of, of background game. For all oh, I like your background game. Nice light in the background. Looks yeah, like you got just, some kicks hanging up or maybe something's yeah. flung. That's good. It's just an office. And I just like, I'm at a desk. You guys got the whole setup going here (laughs) for all these interviews that I do. I haven't like invested in the real cool backdrop, but uh, I got this. I got this right here. There you go, buddy. There you go, buddy. Um, How you been? How's, how's life? It's been a, we were just talking about at the top of the show, a little viralness for me today (laughs) with this whole Tyree kill Trent Shearfield deal. It's been a viral couple weeks for you. How you been? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I feel validated. I'll, I'll say that. It's It's been a hell of a, a couple of weeks here. A hell of a week. Feels like a couple of weeks. And it's been amazing to hear from all the people out there, including uh, all the Bills fans out there that uh, you connect with on social media and elsewhere. Uh, it's been incredible to hear uh, from, man, not just fans, but broadcasters and people in the media industry and just all walks of life, people at Wegmans. You know, former listeners of mine, and uh, it's been incredible. It's been incredible uh, to get that support, get that feedback from people, 
And uh, onward we go, you know, still cooking at Syracuse.com and have a little more time to dedicate to that and, you know, some more to come on on what will be coming on that front. So uh, stay tuned for that as we like to uh, do in the radio business back in the day, a little tease about what's to come. But uh, things have been good, boys. Gives me more time to, to watch the, the Shout podcast and see what's going on with this Bills team in the offseason here. Well, um, for people that don't know, uh, Brent, you spent some time as in-studio host for the Buffalo Bills Network, I believe, 2009 to 2011. Am I correct on that? That's correct. Yep. The the, the mighty Dick Duran years. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> you put in your work. You earned it. Uh, you earned that 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 uh, that Bills card um, with your availability. And listen, if you want to read up on on Brent's situation. Uh, you can. There's a great story from our colleague Chris Carlson up at Syracuse.com that covers the entire thing. And we talked a little bit about it beforehand. I, I really want to use you a little bit more now that you're freed up to talk some bills. I mean, you, yeah. you've been around this team for a long time. You know, How many of these you know, have you done? Now. This is the first time I've come on this show? What the heck's no. going on here? It's it's <laughs> horrible. It's You know huh. what? You were a busy guy. You had a lot of balls juggling in the air. And I didn't want to... I didn't want to nestle my way in, our way in, and then you, you know, you drop one of those balls, you know? Come on, I always got time for you, boys. Always got time for you, boys. Always got time to talk bills, that's for sure. So, Ryan, um, I I saved the report card um, part of the show for Brent because I want to take a a bigger look at not only the offseason, but like this week of free agency, like what the expectations were going in, where we are sitting here Monday, March 20th with a week into this thing and and where Bills fans should feel uh, their team is at and what they've done. So I guess let's start with Ryan, then we'll go to Brent and I'll, and I'll kind of come up uh, about third here. Where do you feel like you, what's the grade you give uh, Brandon Bean at this point? Uh, what have you liked? What haven't you liked? And what do you expect moving forward? We can hit a, any myriad of those things here. Okay. Well, I'll start with the grade. I have a C plus right now. I, I, you know, they're not failing. They're not, uh, they're not uh, doing outstanding stuff either, but that's because of the cap space. Your, your hands are tied. You're limited a little bit. I look at three moves. I look at Connor McGovern as an upgrade to Roger Saffold. And I know, Rod, you know, people from the outside looking in when that move was made, they said, well, Saffold made the Pro Bowl. This guy's coming in. Well, listen, if you actually watch Roger Saffold, he was not a Pro Bowl quality type of player. He fell off of a cliff in the second half of that season, was a liability on the field. Uh, Connor McGovern, younger guy, versatility, all three spots. Um, some of the, I, I know they're saying they want to try to work him in at left guard. I think he might be better off at right guard. Uh, but I, I like that signing. I, I look at him as an upgrade. We already mentioned Deontay Hardy. I look at him as an upgrade over over Isaiah McKenzie if he can stay healthy. And again, that's that's an if. Uh, he missed significant time last year with a toe tur- toe turf toe injury excuse me and talked about the recovery process that went along with that so it's going to be big for him to be able to stay healthy but breakaway speed uh has been an all pro and a pro bowler as a rookie coming in as a return man uh gives the bills some juice there as well and then finally i like today's signing as well and we talked about this uh trent Sherfield is a kind of a upgrade over what they had in jake kumaro just as good on special teams, but obviously brings a lot more to the offense coming off of career highs and receptions, yards and touchdowns with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, someone that can be used inside and outside uh, and just someone I think that's going to be a good fit for this system. I'm with Ryan. I'll say B minus. And, you know, of course, the draft is going to be really important, but I didn't go into this offseason with a ton of expectations. I knew what the cap situation was. I kind of expected to lose Tremaine Edmonds. I kind of expected a couple of things that have happened. 
I was pleasantly surprised they got Jordan Poyer back. And I think that's huge to have Poyer and Micah Hyde back in that in that secondary together. I just think this team needs as much cohesiveness as it can have, especially at, at a position like that. And it went through a hell of a thing last year, as we know. But, man, I love the signing today. And you guys did a great job writing about this. You know you make a good signing. First of all, when you can swipe somebody in the division, which is great, and B – how pissed off Tyreek Hill was and how pissed off the Dolphins were that the Bills made that move. You know, so I love that Brandon Bean made a smart move there. I still am looking for the wow move. I'm still looking for that impact move, right? And we were spoiled last year because they got Vaughn Miller, and that's like the, the ultimate offseason move. But if you level it based on the expectations I had, it's yeah, it's it's a B minus. I'm not dancing over here, but uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling good going to school. And I'm I'm not staying after school for extra help or anything, right? I'm 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 getting by. I can be better, but I think I'm doing pretty well. You know, Brandon Bean talked on Thursday about um, Hardy and being a guy that they've been watching for a while. And to me, the reason I'm willing to give them a B to this point is number one to the point that both of you guys made is that they were limited. He was limited going into this thing. He had to be really careful. He doesn't want to get into a situation in a smaller market, especially where they're having to start like, you know, trading guys off, you know, the Tredavious whites, the Deion Dawkins of the world that might happen anyway, depending on, you know, level of play as we move into the latter years of their current deals. But I don't think he wants to be forced into it. I think in a perfect world, the Rams would still be in a situation at 27 or 28 years old. They could still have Jalen Ramsey lead their secondary, but that's just the, that not the way that they built it and how they had to respond to it. What I, what I want to give Brandon the benefit of the doubt for at the receiver position is I think they knew they didn't do enough last year. They didn't bring up, bring in enough new people. And part of the problem with that is just reimagining what the offense was going to be like with Ken Dorsey at the helm. So I think what they've had an opportunity to do is say, okay, over the last three months, what do we want to be? What do we definitely need? We knew we had Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. We knew we wanted that skill set in a more uh, complete way over the course of a season. It didn't materialize. So who could we bring in to replicate that and maybe take it to the next level? And he's got a really good track record at receiver, Brandon Bean does. He he found Stefan Diggs He in, in the sense that he found that deal and he found the perfect fit for Josh Allen in this offense, right? That started it. He drafted Gabriel Davis in the fourth round, a guy that probably should have been a third or second round pick. Um, Cole Beasley he signed. John Brown he signed. He had a really good vision at various times in the build at the receiver position. And this is the newest iteration of it. And I think he knows – to a degree, he dropped the ball a little bit last offseason. He didn't bring in the necessary people, and he had to scramble and bring back guys like Cole Beasley and John Brown back into the mix, and it, it, it never really worked out because you couldn't get him up to speed fast enough. But I think, for me, I'm looking at B because it's a, it's an unfinished grade, right? We're all starting. This is the starting point of the grade. Um, I like the fact that they're throwing a, a bunch of different skill sets with some definite proven run after the catch ability, which is something they've been trying to add to this offense for years with no success. And I think if you just look at this offense and if you upgraded the offensive line with McGovern to your point, Ryan, which I agree, I think that they've done that considerably, at least from a pass blocking perspective, you got to figure Josh Allen comes back from that injury is more consistent next year. You know, they, they build this thing around Stefan Diggs, who has been very 
unhappy. Let's call a spade a spade. Over the last mm-hmm. two months, he's not happy with the way that the season ended. I think they're going to have to get him to buy back in, build this thing around him again, reunite him and Josh Allen. And I think that the different versions of receivers that they have, different flavors, if you will, Ryan, I, I like a lot of what they've done. But I'm going to I'm going to cap it off at a B to this point because I still think there's a question on this defensive line and. I like the fact they didn't pay $18 million a year to, to Tremaine Edmonds, but they don't have a middle linebacker on the roster right now that you can rely upon definitively starting next season. Brandon Bean seemed like they're kind of in a place where Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, just roll the ball out and see who wants to take that job. Yeah, last thing on the wide receiver talk, um, Adam Henry, too, coming in. I'm interested to see how much say he had on these two signings, how much he really emphasized getting those yard-after-catch type of receivers. Uh, because like you said, Matt, they've been hurting for players like that, despite saying they've wanted players like that type. Linebacker is interesting because the market is pretty barren right now. A lot of the guys that you looked at and said, well, maybe this guy can come in and be a one-year stopgap, two-year stopgap. They started to go, and and, and obviously Bobby Wagner t- is still out there. That's probably the biggest name. He's repping himself. He might be waiting for that big deal. But all a lot of the other dominoes have fallen, and the Bills have not really come up with an outside solution uh, to replace Tremaine Edmonds, a guy that was a focal point of the defense, especially last year. Uh, excellent in coverage, excellent uh, in many areas, having a career year at the best possible time for himself. So it is interesting, and there are guys in this draft, and and the Bills could trade back out of round one into round two and get one of those linebackers of Jack Campbell we've mentioned. There's some other options there, too. But whatever they end up doing, I I think you're going to see a significant drop-off in terms of talent from what they had in Edmonds, Edmonds almost being a perfect fit skill set-wise for this defense. So I, I think you either, A, have to try to come up with uh, an option via the draft that you think it can close that gap sooner rather than later versus what they have currently on this roster or two, you really need, really need to bulk up this defensive line. So that way you can keep your linebackers clean, make life easier for whoever that is. That's currently on this roster who could see a big role in place of Edmonds. So we have a mega super chat. This mega. might be a world yeah. record hundred dollar super chat from uh, Cordero Linder, Darnell Washington, Dawson Knox, and two tight end set that helped Tom Brady win a chip would be unstoppable. Go bills and go Georgia. So obviously a big Georgia Bulldogs fan that watched the absolute athletic freak that is Darnell Washington operate this season. You know, as we get closer to the draft, Brent, and I think getting your take on this is kind of cool. And so it's, um, you know, you, you, you watch a lot of college football. There's been this kind of quiet movement around the tight end in round one uh, because of the talent level that's there. The Notre Dame kid, uh, Kincaid, Washington, obviously, is in the mix. What are your thoughts on that? Because the Bills actually did run a lot of two tight ends last year, whether mm-hmm. it be Quentin Morris or Tommy Sweeney. Darnell Washington, in a lot of ways, is going to be this you know, freak of nature where you can line him up out wide. You can, you can line him up in line. He's this top level blocker. What are your thoughts on a move like that? Uh, as our, one of our listeners or watchers is uh, high on. I'm all for it. And, you know, here in Syracuse guys, we watched Aranda Gatson this year and he's listed as a tight end. It's not a tight end, but they put him there because that was the best place to put him in the offense. But he revitalized that Syracuse offense. This year. And, you know, Darnell with that great comment about uh, what happened in Georgia. I saw Syracuse play Notre Dame and Michael Mayer, and it just makes such a big difference. And I think it would make a huge difference for Josh Allen. 
because it just felt like it was boom or bust, right? You're either trying to get the, the ball to Diggs, you're trying to go deep to Davis. You know, you had Dawson Knox, of course, but it felt like there just wasn't that in between. And maybe they addressed that today, right? But I have always been a big fan of utilizing the tight end, what that does, how it commits to what defenses have to do, makes it harder to stop Josh Allen. I think it allows Josh Allen to scramble more. I think it's a win-win. Now, the question is, when do you use that resource? Because if you're going to get one of these impact guys, you're talking late first round, second round pick, or you you move Mm up, right? If you truly want one of the impact guys, because the list is short of the players that can, you know, step right in and, and do that. And I think, you know, the Bills have been scouting those kind of players and do a good job with that. But I, that's what I'm looking for in this offseason. I'm looking for weapons. I'm looking for impact. And if they feel like they can get that, then I say go for it. Why not? You know, what what are you taking away from to to invest in that, I guess, is the, is the question. Yeah, and listen, I look back at this offense one year ago in training camp. They were really trying to get that the two tight end sets working. There was a big splash just hours after they signed Von Miller last year when they signed OJ Howard. And people thought that was going to be a huge move or maybe not a huge move, but a good move to be tight end two opposite Dawson Knox. And that never panned out. And when that didn't pan out, the bills really didn't have an answer for tight end two. And Quentin Morris, to his credit, stepped up, played, did a nice job when he was in there. Uh, but the, the bills also had to use Bobby Hart as like that jumbo uh, tight end package guy, always reporting is eligible. You get a guy like Darnell Washington in there uh, that can actually go out and catch the ball, can actually block really well. He could be a difference maker for this offense out of the gate in round one. The good news for the Bills is going back to what Brent said. I think you can get a pretty good tight end even in round two uh, where they're sitting at uh, Laporte out of Iowa is another really good tight end that I think could come in, plug and play. Uh, that could be there. There's at least three guys that are in talks of being Uh, Round one players, Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, and obviously Washington. So those are the top guys. There's even some guys you take flyers on later on. Uh, Kuntz, former Penn State tight end that played, I believe, at Old Dominion last year. Uh, So it's a deeper class, but he's right. If you want someone that can come in and play immediately, it's someone that you're talking about in either round one or round two. And, And I think the talent at wide receiver, for instance, drops off quickly in round one. So if one of those guys isn't there for the Bills, at 27, then maybe that is when you talk and say, well, we can get a game changer at tight end now. And there might be a wide receiver that we really like in round two and three that can come in and maybe be that uh, eventually develop into a wide receiver too, like they did with Gabe Davis a few years back. Um, I want to round this conversation back to this year. Um, and we, we get one more note on the, actually, before we move on to, to wrap it up, I'll, I'll end there. Let's go to today. You were at the Syracuse pro day, uh, mm-hmm. Brent. Obviously, Matthew Bergeron is somebody that has been a common uh, mention on Bill's Twitter. Uh, and it'd be interesting because, you know, depending on what they do in the rest of free agency and beyond, I mean, a tackle to me is not out of the question. Um, Brandon Bean said all the right things about Spencer Brown. But if you can kind of go out and reshape this thing with a young day two kind of prospect, Bergeron seems to be a guy that's really interesting. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, what you witnessed out there today. And uh, yeah, Bergeron's a fun one to, to think about. I, I think Bergeron had an exceptional day today. I mean, like you, you can't get too uh, over the moon about, you know, guys running around in their underwear, like we we like to say. <laughs> but there was 31 NFL teams in Syracuse today, guys. And the reason was Matthew Bergeron, right? And that's no offense to the other guys. You know, Sean Tucker had a lot of intrigue. He didn't even, he was in street clothes. He didn't even run, right? Which I thought was 
A, unexpected, and B, pretty interesting. So that's kind of a little subplot to watch. But Bergeron, the, ba- the great thing about him is he's versatile. Now, I asked him flat out, what do you want to play at the next level? And he was emphatic that he wants to play left tackle, right? Well, that makes but a lot of dollars and cents, Brent Axe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think when it comes down to it, he's a better guard at the next level, and he can do it at the next level. So the first thing is his versatility. He can play tackle or guard, right? Right off the bat. Power impact, just off the snap. He's quick. He's just the complete package. Uh, he's, he's from Quebec. So, you know, I think he would love playing in Western New York. His family could come see him a lot and play. And based on some conversations we had with him today, guys, I think he's going to get invited to the draft. Right. So mm-hmm. Buffalo wants him. They're going to have to move on him you know, at some point here. So mm. I think he he would be spectacular. And he's he's one of the best offensive line prospects I've ever seen in, in Syracuse. The, the Bergeron conversation, Ryan, is really interesting because to me, hearing Brent talk about that, that like maybe he he projects as a better guard and somebody that's, you know, determined to play left tackle. It reminds me in some ways of Jonah Williams, who's a little bit different. And we're going through this yeah. interesting situation right now where he gets drafted, he misses his first season. Then he's like the entrenched as a starter for years. And you saw the limitations of having him at left tackle in the playoffs. And I think that the Bengals saw that they're in this window with Joe Burrow. They go out and they trade for Orlando Brown and say, we're going to upgrade that spot. And then come hell of high water, whatever ends up happening with Williams will, will a former first round draft pick will eat it. So I think that to me, if you're Brandon Bean and you're thinking about a move like this with a player that might be on the borderline and to, Brent's point, like, you know, now definitively maybe a first round talent, you better have the complete opposite of the the plan that you had with Cody Ford. You better have it if you're taking a guy like Bergeron in this draft. Yeah, it's it's funny because you started talking about Jonah Williams, and in my mind, I was thinking Cody Ford and how. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and don't I'm not saying from a talent perspective, but I'm saying the the plan that the Bills had, someone where a lot of the draft analysts were screaming, "This guy's a guard, this guy's a guard," and the Bills were like, "Yeah, we're going to try him out at tackle," and, and it <laughs> <laughs> and it just didn't work out. Uh, I think Bergeron could play tackle in this league, but I also agree with Brent that his best position is probably at guard. Um, and listen, cards get paid pretty good money now too. If you can be one of the premier guys at that position. So, uh, I, I think that he could be, I think he is that good of a talent. It wasn't that long ago that we were sitting here talking about, uh, guys that can play guard guys that could play center that maybe the bill should be looking at in round one, even after signing a, a Connor McGovern, uh, having Ryan Bates under contract for a few more years. I'm not opposed to them signing or drafting a Matthew Bergeron in round one or trading, uh, he, he, maybe he's there on the board and there's another tackle uh, tackle guard type player of, available, and maybe they trade down a little bit and get into round two and take him. I'm okay with that because, I, like I said, priority number one for the Bills this offseason, in addition to adding weapons for Josh Allen, should be protecting Josh Allen. And if Bergeron is someone that you think can come in and be one of your top five guys out of the gate, I'm not opposed to a move like that at all. And Ryan, just to jump on top of that, so Aaron Cromer was there today, yeah. the Bills offensive line coach. He worked out Bergeron. Bobby Jones, the Giants offensive line coach, did as well. The Bills had two people there. I didn't recognize who the other scout was. My apologies for that. He had a beard. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, off the top of my head, I didn't know who it was. <laughs> right. But uh, they, you know, look, we. this has been like a funny thing is, is you know, somebody who's covered the Bills and is a Bills fan here, the lack of the pipeline between Syracuse and Buffalo. No Kingsley Jonathan's there and he started to get on the field at the end of last year, but it's always been funny how many uh, prospects the bills have just overlooked or just not gotten 
from Syracuse. So that'd be a great uh, hookup there if, if Bergeron could step in there. And, and the Bills certainly had a strong investment at the very least to get an up and close and personal look at him today. Uh, and, you know, Brent, we've talked about this too before where Aaron Cromer came in last year and he inherited most of that offensive line. Yes, he brought in Roger Saffold, someone that knew his system, someone that knew his terminology, but he brought in a guy that was 34 years old. I'm sure Cromer is just chomping at the bit to say, I want to get some guys that, one, are exactly what I'm looking for from a skill set perspective and, and guys that I can draft and really develop and mold. And uh, him being there for that workout, I think that can go a long way and in, in maybe, you know, round one, round two, him pounding the table for a Matthew Bergeron. I was just going to say like that, you know, Sean McDermott did a nice job of building the the pipeline uh, with the University of Buffalo there for a minute. I mean, you saw, you know, Cam Lewis has been a, a mainstay for the, you know, the 53-man roster, the practice squad. You know, Tyree uh, Jackson a couple of years ago, they tried him out before he obviously moved on. And then even lately, uh, Jamarcus Ingram, you wonder if maybe that now the Syracuse program starting to have some success if Sean McDermott doesn't, you know, try to make his way down there a little bit more. I'd imagine the pipeline is probably going to shut off with UB. I don't know if it, although I will say this, Mo Linguist putting together some pretty incredible recruiting classes. So maybe it'll just get back going here in the next couple of years. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you're recruiting the talent and you're plugging them in, you're, you're bringing in your own guys, uh, a school like UB can get back right on track to where they were. Syracuse, I, I like a lot of the talent they have, uh, but especially Bergeron, someone that has worked his way into the first round conversation. I want to get, I want to end the show here with, you know, back to our original conversation about just looking at the, what the bills have accomplished in free agency and the off season in general uh, so far. And, and, you know, giving it a grade, I saw some people pushing back at the B and one move in particular that I think for me really puts into context, how good of an off season being has had from a, a fiscal standpoint, you look no further than Jordan Poyer. I mean, you look at, I'm bringing it up right now, um, the details of his deal. It is jaw-dropping that they were able to get him back. And listen, the safety market is just absolutely depreciated. I mean, if you look around the league, the only guy that got paid is Jesse Bates, and Jordan Boy Poyer himself shouted it out. But we're looking at a reported two-year, $12.5 million contract, um, $4 million signing bonus, $7 million in total guaranteed. So essentially... It is a one-year deal. The last deal that he signed at two years, $19.5 million and almost $9 million guaranteed. So a significant drop-off for a guy that hired Drew Rosenhaus was determined, it seemed, for at least a, a period of time to you know, get more guaranteed money, ends up just back. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the age. But getting a guy of this caliber, like you mentioned earlier, Brent, to me – I, I, you you got to give Brandon Bean credit for that, playing the waiting game, not nuking that relationship. Because there were points in there where I think on both sides, you know, things got could have gotten a little bit testy. You go back to the COVID era, especially. I mean, that's where, to me, it really started. Hoyer's always been this consistent present presence in the building. Um, and they're able to get him back. And that's really important. You don't have to go out and sign a free agent uh, who's a little bit of a question mark. Right. We talked about the Marcus Epps of the world, the Donovan Wilsons, a couple other, uh, you know, higher profile safeties. You sign one of those guys. It's all well and good. you got to then work them into your system and make it work that way. You already know what you're getting with Jordan Poyer. And they went 13 and one last year with him in the lineup. So I think just from that perspective and them being able to fill some holes, you know, on, on lower end deals elsewhere on the roster and getting a really good backup quarterback situation. The more I've looked at Kyle Allen, the more I've liked that. Sure. 
I think to this point it's a B and, and it's up for, um, you know, movement as we move through the rest of the offseason. Brent. Well, I like what you said about the, the, the deal. That's important, right? Because I felt like that was a position that you could work this out and you didn't have to make a choice. Like we all knew they had to make a choice at linebacker, right? It was essentially Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds in a way, right? Their contracts were different. It's not apples to apples, but they made a choice there. And I think they made the right choice. It's safety, if you can get him back and you can get him back at that deal, you do it because you said it, Matt, that the market's not exactly flooded with guys. You didn't have a lot of choices there and you just, you can't buy chemistry. You can't buy what he means to the fan base, what he means to the team. I mean, that 13 and one, he's in the lineup. Some of these stats are fluky. That's not one of them. Like how many times <laughs> did we say like, oh no, is Jordan Poyer in or out? And then, you know, you're just, you're feeling good one way or the other about that. So. And I, I love how being restructured, you know, some some deals, the Josh Allen deal and some other things, which you kind of have to do every offseason. I get that. But that's why I said B minus, though, because I still think, you know, I'm 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 guys, I, th- this is my obsession at this point, right? Every move you make is that you got to ask yourself this question. Is that going to help us beat Kansas City? And I know Cincinnati beat Buffalo in the playoffs, but you're chasing Kansas City. Every move you make comes down to that question, right? So you're not going to get 100% on that, but you've got to you've got to be better than a B minus on that if you're going to beat Kansas City. How about that? Yeah, to me I look at the beating Kansas City conversation starting on the Bills defensive line and they've spent the resources there in Miller and unfortunately he had that injury and it's a bit more of a question mark and you're going to have to rely on the draft picks that you have already. And probably a guy in Ed Oliver that half the fan base is dead set on trading and trying to just, you know, flip that whole situation and start over from scratch. We were talking about it at the, at the top of the show, Brent, that 2019 draft class, you know, depending on what ends up happening with Oliver is one that Brandon Bean is just going to want to forget. I mean, he went and knocked it out of the park in 2018. um, And then he comes back and people don't even really remember the under the radar Taron Johnson in that 2018 draft, how important he's been to their defense over the last couple of seasons. But 2019, Ryan, I didn't even remember this fifth round. You remember who they took in the fifth round in 2019? Off the top of my head, no idea. <laughs> Linebacker extraordinaire Voshan Joseph. Oh, that's right, out of oh. Florida, and he didn't make okay. it uh, in this league. He didn't make very it to the second camp. He didn't even make no. it to the second camp. No, but he didn't latch on anywhere either for long. No. Um, you might be I think he's doing right I think now. he's like doing like he's making like um music. I think he's doing oh. like uh hip hop records or something like that. I still follow him on, on social media. But the point is, I mean, that 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 is a draft that you kind of flush. And you know, there's been some, you know, some fines on day three, uh day two, uh, et cetera. And you know, I think Greg Rousseau can be considered a a win at this point. I think he's a a developmental still pass rusher, but has shown enough over the first two years. But yeah, I mean, overall, there's still some work, obviously, to be done, Brent. Yeah, no question about it. And that's what makes this draft so important, because you got to find impact guys. And I know that's like the, the theme of every draft, but I feel like it's more important because there's only so much you can do to fill things out with the limited cap room that this team has. And uh, guys, I'll just look at Syracuse, right? Like you've got a talent in Sean Tucker provided his medicals are okay. And there's some questions about that now, but you know, when he's healthy, he's a top 10 running back in this draft. Just think Austin Eckler and that's what you got. Mm -hmm. And you can get him in the fourth round. Michael Jones, he's not plug and play takeover for Tremaine Edmonds, but he could play. And that dude's great in pass coverage. 
He was in the 3-3-5 defense here at Syracuse, and I think he's an underrated linebacker in this draft, right? Impact guys like that, that you can find and can get on the field and can play for this team next year. And that's just, I'm just using Syracuse as an example. But you, this has to be, you want to use a grade, this has to be an A-minus draft at the very least of finding those guys deep into you know, the third, fourth round because they need them. There's just, you look at linebacker, you look at defensive line, you look at wide receiver. I mean, there's just too many positions that you just need that extra guy that can step right in. And that's what makes this this upcoming draft, uh, you know, I don't want to put a label on it, but it, it feels more important than some past drafts, right? Where yeah. this team was just, you know, plugging and playing and taking the best guy available. And But now they've they've taken a step back a little bit. And they, they need to catch up to the Kansas City and Cincinnati. And, and this is one huge way they can do it. And that's true. And listen, you, you know, one reason why they're trying to catch up to Kansas City and one reason why Kansas City won the Super Bowl last year was because of that rookie class. And they hit so many home runs from round one to the end. Uh, ending with, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is one of their final picks, if not the, their last pick in that draft. Um, and they, they were able to address a lot of their needs via the draft and the bills, you know, they don't have a ton of um, draft picks as of right now, six on the board, they can trade, they can move around on draft day over those three days and add more with where need be, but they, they need to hit a home run in this draft because that is how they're going to try to close the gap. And I know the chiefs have lost a lot of talent this off season. The Bengals have too, but so have the bills with Tremaine Edmonds and they need to kind of close that gap to what you said, Brent, and the draft's going to be a big part of that. I'm still bummed. They didn't get Travis Etienne. All right, I'm still sitting here wishing that that happened. Right, that's right. <laughs> well, I think I think Marcel Louis Jacques is still uh, in Miami, covering a completely different team, and still banging the drum. Shout out to my guy. We were one two on that on that train forever. That's for sure. Thank you so much, Brent. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, we're going to try to get you in the mix a little bit more uh, now. I even heard that you might be writing an occasional Bills column, so we'll be looking out for that. Ooh. Bills fans over at Syracuse.com, uh, NewYorkUpstate.com as well. That's uh, uh, definitely an amazing addition to the coverage. Um, thanks so much, buddy. Uh, I just want to tell you uh, I respect the hell out of you. You've, yeah. you've been the beacon of professionalism through this whole ordeal. And we talked about a pre-show about like maybe getting into it a little bit. I'll let you get into it on in your own time and in your own way. Let's just keep it bills here. And uh, I just want to tell you that I love you, man. And big things are uh, on the way. I can't wait for it all. Well, I didn't know I was going to tear up coming on the shout podcast, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you boys. Appreciate what you do. I love that. We have such excellent bills coverage on Syracuse.com, NYUp.com. And of course this great podcast. It's amazing what you build here and, uh, I really appreciate the kind words. It means a lot coming from you guys for sure. And let's do this more. Yeah. Yes, we will. We're going to get you. We're going to get, we got a long off season of content. So start uh, gathering up those takes. Send me a little random text every once <laughs> in a while. Could, uh, workshop it a little bit. Bring you in. Just, you know, push the button. Set you off. Let's go. I like it. I'm in, baby. Beautiful. I'm in. Brent Axe. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This is Shout. We'll be back on Wednesday night. Enjoy your night, everybody. Take care. Shout. A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.